pointing the way towards freedom in an unfree world. This is The Liberty Effect with Ammon Bundy. Thank you for listening to The Liberty Effect. Uh, I'm your host, Ammon Bundy, and grateful to be here as always. Uh, grateful for the opportunity to uh, have a a little bit of a voice and to be able to discuss matters with you. Um, I was reading through some uh, quotes and uh, thought I'd share a couple with you. One that really stood out to me was from William Penn, uh, written in 1682. And it says, Liberty without obedience to correct principles is confusion, and obedience without liberty is slavery. And uh, uh, if you ponder on that a little bit, I think you'll probably come to the same conclusion as I have come to of how important it is to understand correct principles and how important it is to liberty and how without understanding those correct principles, obedience is just a form of slavery. So anyway, I uh, I, I wanted to present that to you, another quote that I uh, – uh, enjoyed here is it is our duty to concentrate all our influences to make popular that which is sound and good and unpopular that which is unsound tis right politicians for a man who has influence to use it as well as a man who has no influence to use it that was joseph smith in 1843 um so i come to you uh with some thoughts and uh I hope they're worth something. Uh, I'm here looking at a book. It's that I actually uh, I didn't pay for it. I have to admit that. And I it was somehow landed in my hands while I was incarcerated. And uh, I was in Nevada in the federal detention centers. And this book was and it has no covers, both front and back covers, and the. The back piece, most of it, has been ripped off. And I began reading it. Uh, someone had written on the top part of it, Bad Boy. Anyway, I began reading it, which has nothing to do with the book. I think it was just someone trying their art out on the book. But when I began to read it, I began to – I was very surprised. And I, I began to read it more and more and saw what period of time it was written and saw that this man was a basically uh, that wrote this was he was in the intelligence office of the Navy. He was uh, had a high level of of um, I guess uh, authorization, what you'd call it, and he was privy to many of the sensitive documents. And for a couple decades, it, it appears, and again. It's been a while since I read it, but uh, he kind of kept track of these documents. He copied them, probably did exactly what he wasn't supposed to do, but he could see something that was building. And basically the gist of what I'm getting at is that he could see that there was a, a plot, a conspiracy to basically uh, take power from the states ultimately from the people, and to centralize it into uh, the federal government, and then to uh, basically enforce that 
through the manipulation of the law enforcement, through law enforcement trainings and, uh, and, and another show, I think I'll break this all down and actually give you more of a line-by-line uh, uh, understanding of what this individual uh, was seeing and, their, and many, many of the plans and the effort to basically militarize the police forces, to train them, to escalate rather than to de-escalate, to, uh, to, uh, through mostly funding and, and finances, to put the states into undue obedience so that they basically become subsidiaries of the federal government. And this book was written, uh, well, most of these documents, many of these documents were, were in the 60s. And so it was very interesting to me. And then I finally found out, you know, it wasn't too hard, but I found out what the name of the book was. And it was called, it's called uh, Behold the Pell Horse, written by William Cooper. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then I, after I had this book for a little while and studied it, I actually went over to the, they had a in one of the pods I was in, in in prison, they had a list of all the unauthorized books. And there was a list of probably, I don't know, uh, I don't want to exaggerate, but close to 50 books that were unauthorized, that were not supposed to be in the prisons. And sure enough, you go down to the bees and behold, a pale horse was on that list. And I thought that was so interesting that they did not want this book to be inside the prison systems. And there's nothing like violent about it, but it is a true exposure of really a plot to mostly that I would focus on and try to show effort is a, a, a plan, a plot, if you want to call it that, to militarize our law enforcement. And therefore, uh, you know, they would be able to enforce these laws um, that were they were going to implement, including, you know, uh, I mean, there was many, there's many in there. And again, there's a whole show that could be done on breaking down this. Um, but I wanted to emphasize on that. And, and, and also, uh, to sh- to show that basically what he was projecting and what he was showing this plan, uh, that that has been accomplished. And, uh, and it puts the people, the American people, in great danger. Um, one of the aspects that I don't think is anything uh, new to most of you that are listening, but uh, there has been a plot to disarm the American people. Um, there has been a plot to, uh, to, uh, transfer private property, uh, to the hands of the government. Uh, there has been a plot to overtake the education so that the, you know, the next generation coming up will be more or less sensitive to, uh, matters of liberty and freedom and more, uh, should I say, desensitized to, uh, you know, again, militarization of law enforcement, uh, the, you know, extreme size of government, and so on and so forth. 
Uh, and that, that again is, is part of what, uh, William Cooper lays out in this, in this book. Now I found out a little bit about William Cooper. They actually tried, they attacked him. Uh, you know, they tried to make him look like he was uncredible and, but it's interesting because the second, the ha almost uh, third of this book that's in Binder, I would say maybe even a little over a third, is actual the documents that he, you know, recovered. So it's not like he just wrote a book and they're just his ideas, right? Or, or there's something that's hypothetical or even something that he's not being honest with. Literally almost – well, I, I have to admit, it's almost half the, the book, the second half of the book, is actually the documents that he found, and uh, and he published those along with the book. And I'm sure he did that so that people would truly see that what he was saying was accurate, that it was not his ideas, that he was not just trying to write a book, and, he was, and that he was telling the truth. So where does that put us, right? Where does that put us as a people? Uh, not alone. We know that there's plenty other evidence showing that there's uh, been a deliberate effort to, uh, you know, enable the people, weaken us to a point where we can't stand up for ourselves so that those that want to take power or want to be an ultimate power and can, can do that. Um, we have progressed, well, degressed to a point where now on almost every state, uh, there is some real uh, enforceable um, gun control going on, and uh, to the you know to the effect where it is getting more and more difficult to be able to have a, a weapon, a gun, to be able to hold on to it. And I, you know, the part of what I would like to discuss now is this idea about um, owning a gun because it's not a matter of if owning a gun will become illegal. It is only a matter of when. And the pertinent question is who, what, when it becomes illegal. I mean, th there is no question in my mind. But let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about this in more detail because there is no question in my mind whether it, it will happen. in my mind if owning a gun will become illegal and like I said earlier it's only a matter of when so the pertinent question is uh, who will comply and how will we stand against those enforcing these unconstitutional laws now don't get me wrong because I'm not saying that all is lost uh, I'm not saying that you know oh our liberties are gone and, you know, we're not able to, we're never going to, you know, see freedom. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that at this point, it is inevitable that the progress, degression, uh, 
that some call progression um, in taking people's rights, uh, hat, it, it, the momentum and the evidence shows, and I'm talking about evidence over the last 50 plus years or you know, within 50 years, shows that we are incrementally moving towards uh, the disarming uh, through the laws of the American people. And that they, those laws will be passed. Uh, it's pretty much done in or, or in, in Oregon. Uh, it's you know, close. Uh, California is very close. You've got some eastern states, you know, New York and so forth, are very close where it's, it's almost impossible to have a gun, have a weapon, to use it uh, for the purpose of defense and not be uh, put in prison. And not be incarcerated, not be prosecuted, and uh, and so it's inevitable, and I believe it will continue to progress in those states and all others to the point, and on a federal level, uh, we're already looking at red flag laws and so forth, to the point where uh, they are they will practically become illegal. Uh, either ammunition will become illegal through like limiting ammunition or they'll make it so that, you know, practically you can't have a, any type of gun that would actually be used to defend yourself uh, practically. And uh, so it is it is inevitable. I think that, you know, within time, I don't know. I mean, what do you say? Five, 10, 15 years? I don't know. But within a period of time, our our legally our gun rights will be taken now the question is is between now and then what are we going to do and when that comes to that point because there's not really that's a thing we always say that when that day comes they'll take it out of my cold dead hands but that's not how they work that's not how it works it's little by little you know here a little there a little they take it little by little you know they say they say, well, you you know, you can only have uh, a clip that holds five, you know, and, and everybody accepts it and they start to comply. All the manufacturers start to just make, you know, clips now that hold five rounds. And then they say, okay, you can't buy ammo that's, uh, you know, more than 20 at a time. And so pe people comply and, you know, and then they say, okay, now – you can only have um, single action guns. And, you know, so everybody's, well, they're not taking my gun right, but I have to comply, you know, I don't want to go to prison, 10 year prison sentence. So then everybody, you know, is minimized down to uh, single shot 22s, right? And, uh, and those in power have, you know, the full uh, force of, whatever's been invented out there and it's not practical to try to defend yourself against criminals both street or government criminals right with a single with a single shot 22 it's just not practical when the other side the criminals again street or government criminals have you know weapons such as fully automatic uh uh, AR-10s, AR-15s, uh, you know, and even further than that. They got, you know, launchers and, I mean, everything else that you can talk about. And that's the reality. So when a, when a law is made that is absolutely uh, 
uh, a direct infringement upon the people, which, of course, taking of guns would already been there. But when it's when a law is made or when they start taking property like they have been, but they start taking more open, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do about it at that point. It's too late. What are you going to do when someone breaks into your home and they have a weapon that's, you know, that's that you can't defend against? I mean, what are you going to do? It's too late at that time. And I mean, I have to emphasize that it is the right of the people. It is inherent and alienable right to defend yourself. That right has been given to us by God who gave us life. We have that right. And therefore, we also must have the right to be able to have the tools and the equipment to defend ourselves. It's not an option. We, the people, must have the right. So now let's talk about uh, the justification. Somehow, there's a justification out there that the government has a right to property, uh, to obtain, you know, weapons, which is a property. Uh, but they, they have a right to manufacture and make and uh, and keep weapons that are not that the, the public are not uh, legally able to keep. Now, the logic behind that does not make sense to me because those in government were born with equal right and alienable rights as myself, meaning they have a right to defend themselves. Right. And I have a right to defend myself. Uh, they have a right to life and I have a right to life. And uh, it's very clear that our founders and and the law of the land documents that these rights are equal. So therefore, why are my rights diminished in being able to defend myself? And why are they able to basically have what they want? And. And that is simply because they have usurped it and they have uh, basically oppressed the rights of the people and able to uh, enable to defend themselves with the equipment that they need. Uh, and, it, you know, so let's move on. So what, the same thing is happening with, uh, you know, businesses. Uh, the same thing will happen with, uh, you know, private property it is happening with private property with our children, right, with the churches. Um, at the current trajectory of the United States and where we're headed now, all property by law will be claimed and controlled by, the go by government institutions. So the question is not if, but when. And the real question is what will the good people of this land do to unite in the defense against it? And uh, we, we must stop believing that it is a matter of if and understand that it is a matter of when and what. We, it is what we will do, what, what we will do, where we will focus our time and what we will do to prepare. Um, and which, which kind of brings me into uh, the understanding that I have been able to gain, and many others too, I don't claim in any way to understand this alone, but that is, is that we have been running to the ballot boxes uh, with this 
misconception that that is going to fix these problems. And yet, no matter who we send, no matter how many we send, no matter how conservative they are, how determined they are in correct principles, it's still the pendulum still swings away from liberty. And we're going to drill into that in a few minutes right after these messages. Thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. So, you know, maybe I'm... uh, bursting a bubble. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just saying something that you already understood. But the energy that we are spending on sending people, uh, you know, our elected representatives to Congress, Congress, or even on a state level, um, basically has proven in the numbers, proven in the bills, is not working. Uh, it is hard for anybody to deny anybody who knows, who can see and understand history, can, can deny that we are digressing fast to uh, to less liberty. And I think a good example of this is, um, you know, the do you remember the Tea Party movement? Well, I mean, they they literally were able to make such a movement and such a uh, an influence that they got control of Congress. Now, that's a pretty powerful uh, position to be in, you would think. However, even through that era of those young uh, elected representatives going to Congress, getting control of Congress, still. Nothing brought us closer to liberty. There was only movements and steps further away. Uh, I mean, I could go on, but the the bills just kept coming from Congress. Uh, The regulations from bureaucrats kept being heightened. Uh, More restrictions, uh, you know, were imposed upon the people. And there is no... uh, You have have to understand, if, if you don't, that every law that is passed is a little bit of liberty that is lost. And we're we're far beyond, far beyond uh, laws that are passed that bring freedom. Uh, Now, there there are certain laws, I guess, that that are passed on the books that can be considered uh, to actually bring, uh, bring freedom, such as when someone murders, that there's a you know, a consequence on that, you know, in the Bible, when someone murders somebody, then that the law would uh, condemn that person to death. And it was a capital punishment. Uh, however, we are far beyond the laws, uh, probably about, uh, you know, what, 
six or seven million laws ago, about six or seven million laws ago that that uh, uh, brought freedom and liberty. So every law that is passed is a law that is taking liberty. Yet <clears throat> in your state legislatures, in your, our federal legislatures, even on our city councils, on our uh, county commissioner boards, law after law after law is passed every day. And your liberties are being taken away from you, each law that is passed. But yet we never see any group of politician, any representative, pulling back the laws, tearing them down, and not replacing them with something. And, and that is a direct evidence of our liberties being lost. And now we could say, well, hey, there's these laws that are even, you know, more direct against our liberties, such as laws that are actually taking property or taking rights away, such as such as the right to bear arms, so on and so forth. Yeah, we talk about those, but what about all the the literally millions of laws in between? Now, there's a quote that I like to read. There, there's always comes a time when an unpleasant truth must be told, even though the retelling disturbs the ease and quiet of luxurious, luxurious air. Today seems to be such a time. On such occasion, the criticism, slander, misrepresentation that one gets are of no consequence. That was J. Reuben Clark in 1945. And so I present that to you today. What I'm saying is not uh, pleasant. It is an unpleasant truth that our Republican form of government has been broken and is broken, and that our court systems that are supposed to determine guilt of a person and restore the damages back to a victim, it is broken. And the reason why both of them are broken because of the same thing, the same you know, plots and actions and direct uh, attack upon the people have been taken place. And it's not the first time in history that it's happened. I'll give you an example. Uh, in 2015, I went to the Nevada legislature. I drafted a bill. I It was sponsored by like 17 other legis, uh, legislatures. It was the most popular uh, public supported bill in Nevada history, AB 408. And I went there with great hopes hoping that what had happened at the ranch could be uh, stopped and made, you know, made further illegal and so that other people did not have to endure the things that we endured at the ranch. So that these rights, these resource rights would be protected and so on and so forth. Well, what ha happened was, is this bill was, you know, drafted. It took us many, many months to draft it. And then we got it in legal writing. And then uh, it went to the committee. And the committee was, again, full of, you know, Republicans. Uh, you know, there were some Democrats on the committee. So it didn't matter. There, there might have been even others. But they, had, they took this law in, in, the, in the committee and completely rewrote it. And uh, they had the influence, the, the heavy influence, of the bureaucrats. Uh, the legislative bureau, uh, or the uh, yeah bureau council, uh, legislative bureau council, LCB of uh, Nevada, and along with, I mean, it was amazing 
the amount of bureaucrats, meaning these heads of these agencies that came out and were so concerned about this bill. And they spent tremendous amount of effort basically rewriting the bill. And what it did after they were done rewriting it is it completely flipped it over and gave more power to the bureaucrats, to the agencies, the government agencies. And, uh, I mean, it did exactly opposite of what the bill was, was designed and drafted and written to do. So then what happened is it was passed in the committee and it went to the uh, House floor and the very legislatures that sponsored the bill, and it was a bill for the people, right, to protect the people's rights, to protect the natural resources of Nevada so that the people of Nevada could, could uh, benefit from them and use them. And what happened is the opposite came to the House floor because it had been written by these bureaucrats to the point where the very legislatures that sponsored the bill in its original intent had to actually vote against the bill and kill the, our own bill on the House floor. Now, what that did for me, uh, well, it, after I got over the stark reality of where we were at, uh, it helped me completely understand that our legislatures are not the ones in power. And no matter who we send at this point, now I'm not saying at one time, I, I'm positive at one time, we were a true Republican form of government. We had a, a republic that our legislatures were in power, that what they said mattered and what they, that what was decided on according to their jurisdiction really went forth. But that is not the case now. And I don't know without some extreme change that it'll ever be the case again. Because the ones in power on both a federal and state level, on a county level and even a city level, are the bureaucrats. And what I mean by bureaucrats are the head of the government agencies and those that work full time for the uh, for the government. And I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm just saying that they are the ones in power and they're the ones that are controlling and making these decisions to the point where I actually had a, a bishop uh, uh, in the church and I'll, I'll be careful what I'm talking here. I was actually serving as a first counselor and he was a, uh, the third man on the Arizona State Corporate Commission. So it's a pretty powerful bureaucracy in the state of Arizona. And the way he talked about elected representatives was just so disturbing to me. He would laugh about them, about, you know, their effort and about how it was almost laughable when they would try to stand up to them and how they just disregarded them. And then if they got to the point where they were a true annoyance, that they would just find a way to get rid of them. This is the bureaucrats, and we see it all the way from the top all the way down to the bottom. They're the ones in power, and they're the ones that are taking the liberties away from the people, and they're doing it for gain and for power, and because they truly believe that we cannot govern ourselves. Now let's go to break. We'll talk about this a little further, and I've uh, got something that uh, might be inter interesting for you in the next segment.
So before uh, we went to break, I uh, was the best I could explaining how the bureaucrats are the ones that are in power. And it is not your elected representatives. And uh, when you're talking about even the courts, we have a tremendous, a tremendous problem in the courts. But it's the same thing. Uh, the bureaucrats, uh, government, full, you know, full-time government employees, have basically infiltrated even the courts. Um, and now it's become more of a special interest uh, effort for each bureaucracy, each agency. And in many cases, it's like a jobs program. You know, who can grow the agency the biggest, uh, who can have the most employees, who has the most influence, who can therefore, you know, extract more uh, funds from the American people to justify this agency or that agency. And they literally manipulate the laws uh, to to benefit them, to give them more, more power. And uh, and if they don't get, have a law that does it directly, then they'll just make a policy or regulation. And our police forces, who are bureaucracies, the police force is a bureaucracy. It is a huge bureaucracy. They are full-time government employees paid by the government, uh, you know, um, and, and they're actually enforcing and protecting the bureaucracies above the, the American people. And, uh, and, you know, if you don't think so, look at, look at the, uh, the energy and effort that they'll go through if one of their own is shot. And I'm not saying that uh, that's right in any way, but I'm just saying that if one of their own is hurt or damaged or shot or whatever, they'll they'll go almost to no ends to uh, to you know uh, bring justice, if you will, to that situation. Um, so, and, and I can go on and on and on, but I just want to make it very clear to those listening that. It does not matter how many people we send to these uh, offices, uh, these representative, the you know, these these uh, representative offices that we vote in. It doesn't matter because the bureaucrats are the ones in charge. The only way it would matter if you you have them uh, willing to control the bureaucracies, uh, and even at that, it is a tremendous amount of of effort and fight. And, and we certainly see uh, Trump doing that uh, uh, to a certain extent. And that I applaud him for. But has he been successful? I mean, look at what he's had to do. And really, in reality, has he been able to in the good things that he's done, because I don't agree with all the things he has done. Uh, but in the good things that he has done in fighting these bureaucracies, has he been able to actually bring liberty closer to the people? And my answer is no. So what do we do? I mean, is all lost? Absolutely not. But what must happen is we must not comply to them. We must say these rights belong to me. And then uh, when they come after us in whatever fashion they decide to do that, we must stand together. Uh, when an individual says, no, these, this house belongs to me, or this, these guns belong to me, or these are my children, not your children, then we must recognize that he is standing on his rights and claiming them, and others must come around and say, look, you will not take them from him. They belong to him or her, and you will not take them.
And that is the way that I believe very strongly that liberty will be preserved. And that is the way that the, the wrongs that are happening in this country will be righted. It is by individuals, by your neighbors, by your friends, by your community members saying no. And by an individual saying no, and then when a bureaucracy comes after them, when a government institution, which is a bureaucracy, comes after them, then others stand around them and say no. You will not take his property. You will not take his life. You will not take his liberty. They belong to him. And that, so let me let me give this in, in a practical sense. You heard about the 61-year-old Maryland man who was, who was shot and killed, right, because because he would not give up his weapons after he was flagged under the red flag law, correct? Well, what should have happened in that situation is he should have been as open as he possibly could with his right to bear arms. He should have explained that to everybody that he could, and then his neighbors should have come around and surrounded his house and protected his right, his life, and his right to his property, until the officers left. And you might not think that that's practical, but I'm telling you that that is what has to happen. That is, then that way, that man still receive, or retains his right, retains his life, retains his liberty, and the bureaucracies and those who are going to enforce this wickedness are, are driven away. And I saw this very same thing happen at the ranch, and my dad today is still running his cattle on his uh, property rights, and and I, I saw it with my own eyes how it works. I know that that is what we must do. We must say and understand when someone is being uh, attacked, when they're trying to be isolated and demonized, we must understand that it is an effort of bureaucrats to destroy that individual. And we must rush towards that individual and surround them, or individuals, it doesn't matter, and surround them and say, no, you will not take this. This is not yours to take. Just the same as we would with street criminals, or at least I hope, hope we would. We must do it with government criminals because the same is the takings. The same thing is going on. We must unite in that way. And maybe we need to do it a little more organized. Maybe we must be more efficient, must, more, must be a lot faster in response. But that is the way we must pervert, preserve and protect liberty. And also, if that is done in that way and it is done correctly, what it will do is it will give strength to people to say no. More people will say no, and and then it will uh, inch back liberty. And maybe they'll get to the point where there's a large enough group that we can all say no. Or maybe at that point, then we could start, you know, actually changing the laws, actually minimizing government, decreasing the power and size of bureaucracy. But it must start with the one saying no, and then their family, their friends, their community, and uh, maybe their church, surrounding that individual and saying, look, you will not take his rights. 
This belongs to him, not you. You do not have authorization to take it. Uh, we've never given you the power to do that, and it is immoral. And so that, my friends, is how liberty will be preserved. It will not be done in the ballot box, not at this point. It will not be done in the courts, because the courts are basically full of those who are doing the taking. It will be not be done there, not at this point. It will be done by your neighbor and you. It'll be done by your family and you. It'll be done by your church, the church members and you. It will not be done in the ballot box and it will be not be done in the courts. And it certainly, certainly will not be done in your local police station. It will not. They are not the preservers of liberty. They are not the defenders of liberty. Not at this point. What they are at this point are the defenders of bureaucracies and the enforcers of bureaucracies. And, you know, like it or not, that is the truth. Like I said earlier, there's always comes a time when unpleasant truths must be retold, even though the retelling disturbs the ease and the quiet of a luxurious error. And today, as Reuben J. Clark J. Reuben Clark said in 1945, today seems to be such a time. On such an occasion, the criticism, slander, misrepresentation that one gets are of no consequence. And so it is of no consequence to me what others feel about me on this matter, because it is truth. It is truth. And the laws, as they stand today, will continue to degress and take more and more rights more and more property, infringe further and further upon the families and the churches and the individuals, and it will take the one saying no and the many surrounding them in order to preserve liberty. That is my message today, and I leave it with you in a good conscience. And until next time, next Thursday at 1 o'clock. Thank you. Credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.